If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me to Psalm 34. We've been taking a journey in the Psalms largely because uh, we feel like it's right just to take a step back and, and let ourselves have a heart response to who God is rather than just a head response to who God is. And part of the way we do that is before I do too much preaching, I'm actually going to read this psalm. There's a lot in it uh, and it's largely about what Gus was talking about in the kids' talk, that in in the most difficult, challenging moments of your life, God somehow is able to be still at work. So we're going to put up a slide now which uh, has a QR code on it and what I'd love you to do is to write down, using this QR code, which word or phrase or idea speaks to your heart from Psalm 34 as I read it. So this is Psalm 34, written by David when he pretended to be insane before another king. Verse 1. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Let's just take a moment to look at which words or phrases stood out for our church family as they listen to that. Can we throw up the Mentimeter? Isn't that beautiful? Taste and see the Lord is good. Seek peace. It's always good just to let yourself read the Bible and notice which bits speak to your heart. The link, if you want to keep an eye on people's responses, the link is available in the sermon notes which are on the YouVersion Bible app. Well, let's take a look at what David's talking about here. It's interesting, uh, there's a, a reference to a, a moment where David pretends to be mad because he's terrified and thinks he's going to get in trouble. Uh, the psalm says it happens in front of Abimelech, but then in Samuel we get uh, the story of it happening in front of a guy called Achish. We're not quite sure what, how to resolve all that, that's fine. The Bible's not interested in trying to get it all neat and tightly in a bow, but it is trying to give us a picture. And David gives us a picture of what it's like when you feel completely powerless. When your life is in somebody else's hands. When you can't, when you don't have what it takes to make it work. Have you had moments like that in your life? Where, where you just... There is nothing you can do, no matter how clever or smart or... There's nothing you can do. Your life actually is in somebody else's hands. It's out of your control. I've had a number of moments like that in my life. I've got to say, don't love them. I do prefer to feel like I'm in control, even if it is a complete illusion. Uh, and uh, I was trying to think as I, I prepared this, thinking, what kind of moment, like would I have where I would be tempted to act insane in front of a powerful person who has my future in their hands? I wasn't actually tempted to act insane, but I, I don't know, I was just... It's hard to describe what it was like uh, when uh, we had been through a pretty challenging time in the ministry with Fusion and got to a point where it was right to move to Canada, where Fusion Canada had offered to 
pay for my family's flights and to look after us for the first six months over there so we could have a sabbatical. Uh, and we were leaving behind a ministry I thought I was going to be part of for the rest of my life, kind of knowing this was the end of that. So we packed up our house, rented it out, uh, drove to the airport and got to Melbourne Airport. And uh, uh, as we um, get, got ready to get on the Air Canada flight, we got the domestic connection and got to get on the Air Canada flight, the people at the desk said, uh, sorry, we can't let you on. Uh, you see, we had been sweating on the visas coming through uh, and uh, they hadn't come through in time. As it turned out, they came like about four days later, which is not particularly helpful. Uh, but I was there and uh, at that point, because we'd been in a, on a journey where we were they call it living by faith, but it just means you don't actually have a regular income. You just kind of trust that things will work out. So we had 200 bucks in our pocket. Uh, and, uh, and, and actually, I think we may have had a slightly more before this conversation. I think we had to pay money to get them to change the tickets because we had a, a one-year ticket and you couldn't go in for one year on a, on a tourist visa. So we had to then, so, so the Air Canada people said, look, they may not let you into Canada, but what we can do is we can change your return date. So you've got a three month ticket. I don't, and, and then it felt like we then, so we got through that initial thing and it just felt like our world was uh, collapsing a little. Like, I don't know if you have moments like that where it just felt like, so we were, I think after that we were left with 200 bucks and I was sitting there in Melbourne Airport and thinking, what am I doing? And then we, it, it, it was kind of a nice moment. We, there was a moment of transit uh, in Sydney where we got off the plane and we bumped into my mum and dad who happened to be heading away. Uh, and uh, if you talk to our kids about this, they, they will point out that it was a fairly stressful time. This is, oh, this is actually the moment we bumped into mum and dad eating McDonald's. Uh, and, uh, and the kids look happy. Uh, Hard to convey what was going on for Leanne and I at that point. Uh, and we were bracing ourselves because we knew we had to get through customs at LAX and we were briefing our kids not to make jokes about, like, Josh was in the line at LAX saying, what would happen if I made a joke about a bomb, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we had to brief our kids. We got through LAX. We went, this was, it took 26 hours to get from... Uh, Tassie to uh, where we landed in Edmonton and Alberta, it was long. Th oh, 32, sorry. Leanne's better with the numbers than me. 32 hours. It was, it was not... We took the cheap flights. Uh, went through Chicago. If you know anything about it, uh, Alberta and geography, that's not the way you go, but it was cheaper. Uh, and uh, we got to, uh, got to the Canadian Customs and I... I, I think I probably felt, I, this is the closest I've probably felt to like David in front of a king thinking, so this customs person, the decision they make right now will determine the rest of my, well, it felt like the rest of my life. Well, certainly, I don't know, I didn't know what we were going to do if we had to try and buy flights back to Australia with 200 bucks or, you know, was, and we were trying to explain to our kids that we had to act like tourists. Uh, and that they weren't allowed to talk about staying in Canada long term or anything. Uh, 
And then the, uh, uh, I still remember the moment, there's a fellow with blood drain out of my face as the uh, customs person said to Josh, what are you looking forward to about being here in Canada? He said, oh, I think I'm going to join a hockey team. <laughs> Somehow we got through. Uh, and, and it was, we arrived to like minus 40, like it was crazy. Uh, and uh, there's a photo of us going to find our uh, Christmas tree and on a, like a minus 30 degree day. This is just a few days after it all. And there is something about those moments where, you, where life is just completely out of your hands. Um, I know, like I, I wouldn't be here I, if I, we hadn't made that trip. I wouldn't be a pastor if we hadn't made that trip. It doesn't make those moments though where it feels like life and power is taken out of your hands any easier, does it? Where it feels like you don't have choices, that your, other people are making choices about your life for you. That's where David was when he wrote this psalm. And he starts by saying, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. What, what, this is where we've got to understand the difference between biblical Christianity and Western you know, Australian normal Christianity. We, we tend to want to praise when we feel like praising. When it feels, everything feels happy and joyful and yay! David's saying, in the midst of everything feeling horrible, I will extol the Lord at all times. I will choose to praise him even when he's not doing what I think he should be doing. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. There are going to be times where you are afflicted. There is a heretical version of Christianity that says if you get it right, you're going to be rich and famous and never get sick. Uh, and uh, often that's associated with some preacher saying, just send money to this phone number. That, that's not Christianity, that's evil. And that's not true. We follow a God who says, this is what love looks like and hung on a cross. And so... David captures a bit of the heart. He, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I've got to tell you, as I stood in front of initially that uh, checkout in Melbourne, then the LAX America, I hate customs in America. Uh, it's awful. And then the, uh, the border people in Canada, I, I was fearful. I really was. And I didn't have any other answers. I, I was actually terrified. And I, I don't know how aware my kids were of how scared and bewildered Leanne and I were in the process. Um, but 
I, I know this to be true. Over, and there, this wasn't the end. It wasn't just getting through this customs. It was, it was a, a complicated journey. Uh, but I, I know it is true that in those moments, if I look to God, he will be with me to deliver me from my fears. And that's exactly what David is saying. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers him. This is beautiful. This is the promise. Life is going to be complicated. And you can be angry at the complications. You can work your best to avoid all the complications. Or you can look to God in the complications. There's this interesting next verse. Jesus actually says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. But in some ways what David is saying is here, well, you kind of can. He's saying try it. Taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, because those who fear him lack nothing. Everybody on the face of the planet has a philosophy by which they live their lives. Some, for some people, the philosophy is avoiding pain as much as possible and doing whatever it does to feel good. For some people, it's, and that means getting money. For other people, it's you know, just focusing on family. For some people, they want to focus on their garden. Whatever. I don't know what your philosophy is. But what we can guarantee is the only approach to life that actually leads to life is to focus on God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, who came and promised us life. David saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. One of my real mentors, I wish I'd met him, but he'd written a number of books that have been really formative for me. His name is Dallas Willard. What he says, and these are in the, this quote is in the notes if you're interested, he said, Jesus came to respond to the universal human need to know how to live well. He came to show us how through reliance on him we can best live in the universe as it really is. That's why he said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. His supremacy lies in the greatness of the life he gives to us. Putting Jesus Christ into a worldwide competition with all known alternatives is the only way you can give your faith a chance to prove his 
power over the whole of life. It's where I really encourage you. Think about the times in your life where you have been seeking something else. Where you've been living according to a different philosophy. Where you haven't been tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. You've been tasting other stuff and thinking, I'm going to find goodness there. Has it ever worked? It doesn't work. Christianity is measurable. Christianity is measurable. You can taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. If you'd like to spend your life running after money or people's applause or good looks, or a nice garden, or you name your poison. You can. You're just not going to end up happy. Ultimately, life comes through no one else. That's what David's saying here. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There's going to be people who think they have the answers. I'm... I enjoy watching YouTube and YouTube is just full of people who think they have answers to stuff. David says the lions may grow weak and hungry. The lions are this, the picture of the ultimate hunters. The people who can, in and of their own strength, sort out life to get what they need. They're the top of the food chain. And David's saying those people who think they're the top of the food chain are not going to be able to do it in their own strength. He says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You'll see the fear of the Lord mentioned a number of times. Again, sometimes it's not... The normal way we would use it is to feel scared of God. That's not actually... The, 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 the guts of that, what the, what the word is. We just don't have a, a neat and tidy English word to best communicate what the fear of the word, Lord is. It is the right response. It is the, the recognition of the immensity, the, the beauty, the power of who God is. It's kind of the best. Those... Those who fear the Lord are the people who have a right recognition of the incredible nature of who he is and also a recognition of who they are. That's really what the fear of the Lord means. And it's interesting, when it talks about uh, seeking the Lord in this next verse it's it actually is the same word for seek as he starts out with uh, in verse four he says here who of you loves life and desires to see many good days keep your tongue from evil turn and your lips from telling lies, turn your evil to do good, seek peace and pursue it. 
And it's the same word that he's just used in verse 10, seek the Lord. All the, when he says the word seek, um, it's not like, I often lose stuff. And I'm saying to Leanne, have you seen my wallet? <laughs> uh, that's not what this seek is about. The words here, the Hebrew word for seek here, there is a Hebrew word for that kind of seek, looking for something you lost. The word here for seek is reaching for something where you know where it is, but your focus is towards it. Does that make sense? It's not looking for something you don't know where it is. It's, it's always about looking for something, reaching for God. It's not like you, can't, you don't know where God is. We all know where God is, but it, it's reaching for him and he is there ready to respond. It's kind of what the word for seek means. And it's, saying, it's also saying, you know, you know where peace is. Don't just, you know, look for it because it's, you know, lost. No, order your life to seek peace. To seek with your priorities, God's priorities. Revering God, fearing God means making his priorities your priorities. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. Have there been times in your life where all you could do was cry out? It was interesting, about six months into being in Canada, uh, we, we actually ran out of money. Um, and I, I didn't know what to do. Like, we, we'd hit these moments before, and we'd lived for 20 years without a wage, and we kind of prayed, and somehow miracles happened, lots of miracles, lots of things happened. But this time it wasn't working. And, and I, all I could do was cry out. I, it was when I really learned how to fast. Leanne and I would take these long walks and we'd say, what have we done? We, we walked kilometres and kilometres and kilometres. Uh, and in the end, the sense was, well, it might be right for me to um, look for a job. Maybe that's what God's saying. Uh, and, and, and the job I ended up getting was a, as a pastor which was not at all what I planned. But it, it really was one of those moments where I, I just don't have the answers. And I don't know if you, if you had moments like that. This is what this psalm is about, those moments where all you can do is reach out and say, God, help I love, I love this. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. 
I would love to tell you, particularly for our young people, that there aren't going to be moments where you're not brokenhearted, where you're not crushed in spirit. But you would be a fairly unusual person to make it to the end of your life where you're not, you don't have moments where you're not brokenhearted or crushed in spirit. The heart of this psalm, the heart of what Dave wants us to hear is in those moments, reach out. Reach out and he will be with you. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord rescues his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. The psalm makes it clear that evil has its own consequences. The consequences of seeking a way other than the way of life is that you receive death. Evil has its own consequences. But in those moments of darkness where you just don't have the answers, it's where Jesus is ready The Apostle Paul put it like this. He said, Therefore, we don't lose heart. Gee, tell you what, sitting on that airplane or going for those walks around Mill Woods, um, it was easy to feel like I was losing heart. Like, you know, what am I doing? How is this going to work? Therefore, we do not lose heart, Paul says. Though outwardly we're wasting away. Now, that, at one level, you could take that just to mean physical, and that's absolutely true. From, they reckon from about the time you're 22 or something, life is, the car gets put into reverse and things get gradually deteriorate, which is a bit depressing. Uh, outwardly we're wearing away but also externally one of the signs that you're on the wrong path is that you are spending a lot of energy trying to sort out your external world to sort out your house or your finances or your relationship and that you think that by sorting out your external world your internal world will get put right No. Whatever happens in your external world, your internal world colours the way you interpret it. That's what Paul says. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. And this gets back to what Gus was saying. Somehow, somehow in the troubles, somehow in the most horrible moments of your life that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, 
somehow, if you are open to who God is, those troubles produce glory. Or to borrow from the great theologian Bono, grace finds beauty in ugly things. Or as Paul wrote, and Gus reminded us, all things work together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to his plan. It's tempting to want to blame the troubles, to fix the troubles, to curse the darkness and say it's the darkness's problem. No. We follow a God who stepped into the darkness and brought a light through the shape of a cross and said, I invite you to take up your cross. So what Paul says is, so... We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is what David's trying to say to us in Psalm 34. It's about where you fix your eyes. In the darkness... You can look to the darkness and blame the darkness or you can look to him who is our refuge. Let's pray. And the band, can you be ready to lead us in worship at Lena Valley as we pray? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are close to us when we're brokenhearted and you are, it's almost like you come around us when we're crushed in spirit. Thank you that you invite us to experience the fullness of your life. And you don't do it by sorting out our lives so that everything goes the way our egos want them to. No, you do it by stepping with us through the ups and the downs of life. And you invite us to grow up. You invite us to gradually be free of all the stuff that holds us back from our self-centeredness. And somehow all things work together for good, even the things that we wouldn't want to wish on our worst enemies. That's the incredible nature of your grace that we see unpacked here in Psalm 34. Can you remind us of that? Because we know there are so many times where we feel like slaves, where we feel like our fears are running the show. Thank you that in those moments, Jesus, you say, I am your refuge. I have come so that you may be free. Help us step into your freedom, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen.